Hello. Welcome to episode three of Comedians After Hours, where now I'm sitting under this tree and doing these instead of the bench because it was raining. Uh, this episode's of Michael Odawale. Enjoy that, and I'll see you back in a bit. Okay. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. No worries. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so how's your uh, how's it going at the moment? How's uh, how's lockdown? Yeah, look, lockdown is good. I mean, we're just saying like um, it's a good opportunity to find out what you want to do, but mm. also like don't want to do. Mm. Like, I, I have a harmonica, and like oh, I, I think I, like in December I bought a harmonica course. Right. Oh god, online. okay. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm just I'm just busy. This one, I'm not playing this harmonica. <laughs> I've had nothing but time. I'm just I'm not a harmonica person. Okay, how long have you dedicated to the harmonica? During lockdown, yeah, probably all in all. Uh, total about seven minutes of practice enough time <laughs> for me to decide like I think what I am is I'm a person who like likes the idea of playing the harmonica but right, I don't yeah. want to you know okay I think that, that's, that's, that's okay that's me I like the idea of being a person who whips it out I know what you like mean you want to be like a Bob Dylan like where you can just like be doing something and then it has a nice little tune to it but uh... in my head I had this idea like I'd make a deep statement and then I'd like end it mm. just by playing like like a solemn tune <laughs> like on there like that's kind of that, like... that actually sounds really good like I think yeah, you just, just put the work in this... yeah I think you should put the work uh, in you've got a moniker you have it right I got it yeah I don't know <laughs> if I can't learn it within seven minutes over three months is it really worth it that's that's the question I'm guessing you've never learned an instrument no 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 right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that one because it was the easiest to carry um right yeah I used to all people lugging the the cello or the mm, all the instruments I was like no nah, it's not for me nothing with wheels nothing that is big yeah to carry so apart from that very much going on not not much going on just um it's it has been good to like establish some sort of routine yeah in my life in terms of well just to make the days go less um aimlessly so it's, mm-hmm. i've just got some certain things i've been doing i started meditating which is mm-hmm. just good it's nice mm-hmm. it's nice um, just like writing journals and things like that. So it's been good to just get some practices in for like insight. Yeah, how are you finding meditating? I've I've never really I've never really done that. It's it's you know what it's good. It's it's not the instant. Again, I I have I think I have a problem with one of the instant gratification. Um, but um, you I think well, you're a comedian, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need that, that laugh right there. I want an instant zen. Yeah. And you don't get that, but it's like a little um, it's like a little charge. It's like charging your phone. Mm-hmm. It gives you a little bit of a boost, I think. So it gets you out of battery saving mode. So that, mm. that's how I describe it. I always struggled. So I, I went to drama school for three years, right? Because I thought I wanted to be an actor. And I always mm. struggled with... I always struggled with anything like that. I just, I'd just i be sitting there and the whole room, we'd have to sit there and do like two hours or something. I'd, just, mm. I'd, be, I'd be bored out of my skull. I'd be, trying, I'd be trying my absolute hardest to concentrate. And I'd just... I'd be bored out of my skull, yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it me like that. For me too, but I don't know. It, it does make me realise how long a certain amount of time is in terms of just doing mm. nothing. Oh, Maybe God. gives you a better appreciation of time. So how long can you do with where well, you're meditating or just doing nothing? I can do twenty minutes. I can do oh twenty minutes. That's impressive. Yeah. Right? But the thing is you're supposed to kinda of like lose focus. I think that is meditating, losing focus and then coming back again. Yeah. That's supposed to be the whole process. But I, it is like, twenty minutes is a long amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never well, realized. 
I've not had my phone for 10 minutes and I'm not obsessed with my phone, but I mean, seriously, like if I'm sitting, at, I don't know, bus stop or something waiting for a yeah. tube and I haven't got my phone, my phone's run out of battery and I'm oh sitting God. there for 10 minutes with all the stimulus that's around me in a, in a place like this, I, just, I, can't, I can't do it. I really Have struggle. Have you got the, the screen time reminder on your phone? No, I'm not turning that no. on, no. That is like a form of punishment, like to, to see how long you spend on your phone. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not turning that on or looking at it, yeah. No, no. Don't, don't do that. It's not good for you. That, that's that's yeah. actually bad for your mental health, just seeing like how much of your time is spent on that phone. It's crazy. I don't even yeah. think I'm that like that obsessed with it. It's just I really notice it when I'm sitting on my own doing nothing. I really struggle with that. I've always struggled with that. Like, even when I was a kid, I think. I always had to do something. I, like reading but, the book I'm, or something. But overrated stillness. Mm. It's a little overrated. Yeah, yeah it is, it is. Just like... Like scenery, people's like, oh, just just go look at. Yeah, but I've I've seen. It now. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not. what's I, next? I, I struggle with museums. Oh, I really, yeah. I really struggle with museums. Yeah, because like you read the thing, you see the thing, and it's like, you know, yeah. Even even to a it's degree where it's like, uh, it's a bit like damaging. Because my second date with my current girlfriend, we went to the Tate Modern, right? Yeah, and I was like ten minutes in. I, honestly, I was just like fucking hell like I, I and i had to say like i i i don't know if i can do this like i yeah. don't know if i can i don't know if i can genuinely walk around and pretend to be enjoying this for too I long really like but then as well i really try you know i put my hands behind my back and i walk like a professor. <laughs> i'll be reading the things yeah. like the little biography parts it's, it's hard in there man it's boring it's boring what? and I, I i don't care that i don't care that i've said that it's boring it it's really boring, boring. Yeah. Why does it have to be so abstract? Why can't you just make your point? Do you know what I mean? Just to say yeah. the thing that you try to do. Like, why? Why does it have to be like a, like a leaf that's meant to represent? I don't know, oppression. I think it's not even the content. I, I think, I think I might have a problem with uh, sitting still and stuff for too long because when I go and see stand up, I can get bored after an hour. And I, I love yeah. watching stand up, but I can get bored after an hour. I get bored doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching me? Come on, guys. That is the most pointless thing. If the person on the stage is bored doing it, <laughs> there is no point to it existing, right? <laughs> yeah. I suppose yeah, it depends. Like an hour, an hour and a half. I'm like, oh, God. Wait, why? Two hours of an interval is the one I think I'd struggle with. That's crazy. I've never I gone to see to... a big comedian. Yeah. I've never gone to see a big comedian's tour. I think it's yeah. partly because well, it's expensive, isn't it? But partly because I don't want to sit for two hours with an interval and watch and watch comedy. Like an hour's long enough. I, I yeah, struggle I with that. Bills. Yeah, go on. The story in America about how like the really big comics like Dave Chappelle who do like three, four hours in the comedy oh, club. I love Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle Me too. is one of the most interesting men yep. in the world. Yeah. Yep, even yep. Yeah, I think like at the three and a half hour limit, I yeah. I don't know. There might be a little part of me that's like, man, this is. This is three and a half hours, though. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't think I'd enjoy it. I agree. I think he's one of the best comedians working today, and I, I, I don't, I don't think I'd enjoy it past hour and a half, two hours. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a limit. Yeah. This is. Yeah. What else would I do for that long? Oh, actually, I say that. I feel like I'd probably sit and watch a series or something on Netflix for three like hours. The whole... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I have a thing I I can't watch long series mm. like for like six to eight episodes is what I can commit to. 
Mm. But anything else, mm-hmm. anything more feels like homework. Yeah. Like a 20 episode, yeah, yeah. one hour show, it's like, that's, yeah. that's too much. That's, yeah. that's, I'm in this now. It's too it's much. It's a project. Me. It's a project. Mm. Can't do it. Um, um, we should yeah. uh, sort of, we should introduce you a bit. Oh, we should do. <laughs> we haven't done that. Um, so I suppose for people that don't know who you are or aren't familiar with your work, do you mind giving me like a sort of quick potted history? I'm a Mike Odawale, stand-up comedian. I've been going about six, seven years now. Um, I guess my like to talk about, you know, social issues and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's just going on in the world and myself. And I took a shot to to Edinburgh last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first debut show, uh, Black Bears Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're here in 2020 and uh, mm-hmm. just figuring out what to do next. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'd just say I'm uh, just sort of an up-and-coming comedian mm. and you've been going now. since uh 2014 is that right i say about 2014 yeah. yeah and how did you how did you fall into it do you have like a do you have a is it like a particularly was it was it an easy decision yeah it was it was a little obvious i think it's just kind of classic i was sort of the class clown yeah in school and i did just love comedy even more than music like i remember like reciting and hearing back like chris rock bits mm, in mm. school like the same time people were rapping and stuff and um so it did just seem like a natural thing to fall into for me so i think i did my first gig i was about 17 or 18 mm. and then um i didn't really think much about it but then i went to university in greenwich and uh, up the creek was just right there which is like oh yeah a, yeah yeah up in london and so it just felt like a sort of what's the word it felt serendipitous, like it was meant mm. to be. So I was like, let me go down there more, do the, the open mind spots. Yeah, like, uh, I just kind of dropped it in there on the, on the casual. But like, yeah. It's I, too I, good I, a word to just drop in on the casual, I think. Do you know what I mean? I just like, it's like it's just serendipitous. <laughs> I, I wasn't 100% confident it was the right but still now. But I just wanted yeah. to drop it in there. Yeah. And then, so I, I started doing comedy from there a bit more. And then, um, so yeah, it just, it just kind of worked out naturally mm. for me. Yeah. And, um, and I, I've seen like you, from from within a few years in, there was like awards nominated and winning and stuff. Do you think? Do you think you were the, good the, straight away? Um, you know, my my first gig, it was it wasn't bad, but it was just ordinary. Mm. But um, I I remember for my second gig, it, it went well enough for me to think like, okay, there, there's something in here, and then I just kind of took it seriously from from then like I haven't looked back from that second gig like sometimes I still feel like I'm carrying the momentum from that second gig all those years ago <laughs> really of, like that energy from that gig that feeling I got like yeah this is I think that's the first time it, something's clicked like this is my thing yeah uh, so it's kind of just been like blinkers on sort of mm. from that point yeah. mm. so I'm, I would say I'm still carrying that momentum I think a lot of people I don't know if you found this, found that early on, not necessarily in comedy, but something similar. Like I know that when I was at school, I remember doing plays in mm. school and thinking, oh yeah, this is it. Like I want to mm. be an actor. And then sort of went through acting and then realised, no, I don't want to be an actor. I specifically yeah. want to make people laugh. Like yeah. that's what I want to do more. I don't know, did you have a thing from school? Like I know you said you were funny, but like, did you have a moment, a similar moment of like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do? It, it, it was never. Um, I can't. I can't. I can't honestly tell you when it clicked. Mm. But I just remember going to school. My priority was to get laughs. Yeah. More than to yeah. I know what you mean. Money. I mean, it was just like, okay, this is my job for yeah. today. I was collecting a certain amount of laughs in every lesson. Yeah. And was planning 
but it, it never clicked until later on um, until I started watching stand-up comedy. I was pretty late when it came to watching stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. That even occurred to me that this is a, a, a job. So, um, yeah, it did, it did kind of feel natural. So I kind of feel lucky that um, when it did click sort of early on, I didn't have to do that whole figuring out about what I want to be or what I want to do. It was mm-hmm. like from pretty early on, I kind of had an idea and I just had to focus it. Yeah. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if you had a similar thing at school, but I had a, and one of my school reports was like, yeah, George is very clever, but he disrupts lessons by talking and making jokes. And I, I remember that like quite consistently through my school time. I was never rude or naughty really, but I would. Yeah make jokes and talk over the teachers and stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you had a similar I th- thing. I, I, was, I was pretty similar. I think, yeah, the teacher, because, my, you know, I'm, uh, my mum's Nigerian, so they're very sort of strict on the education thing. Mm. And I just remember one parent's evening and then um, the teacher was just like, yeah, Mike was just a class clown. And then my mum hooked on. So he's the oh, clown, yeah. the clown of the class. And then <laughs> I just remember the, the punishment from that day. And I just remember thinking, I've just got to be worth something now. I've got to do yeah. something with it i went through so yeah so at the time did you even think did you how much like did your what your mum say did it make you want to stop doing that what your mum said or were you just like no i know this is what i like it it made it it made it deeper it was anything it made it like okay this this has to be something now because Mm. i know that this is what i'm good at Mm -hmm. so like i have to make this class clown into into money Mm -hmm. as opposed to the opposite way and then from from starting out like early on uh, the early gigs, how did you how did you manage to sort of work your way into doing it? You know mm. more. Um, there was a competition that I did. So you think you're funny? Yep. I think that's the one I did pretty early on, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of just introduced me into, into uh, comedy early on. So I got to meet other comics, and then they mm. kind of directed me into what clubs to do. And so I started uni by the time I started gigging. Uh, regularly and so you know it's kind of kind of easy because you got uni two three days a week yeah and the rest of kind of yours so were you studying like... something sorry were you studying something in the same field or not not really i mean it was history and politics okay yeah i say there's a little bit of a link in terms of maybe the way you analyze things mm, in mm. Terms of, uh, the way you look at social stuff and that kind of linked it but it might be a stretch, but in my head, they were kind of linked into. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. I, I think, I think certainly, I mean, certainly politics. I can see history mm. as well, but certainly politics, depending on the sort of comic you are. But having an understanding of the political landscape is surely useful for a comic, especially yeah, I mean, like you said, a, if you like to talk about social issues and stuff. It's a, yeah, it's just a fascination about the world around you, mm. and then how you relate to it, how things relate to it, and then it kind of just all links into each other. I think. So mm. yeah, it just all kind of kind of worked out. So me. how did you do in "Say so You Think You're Funny"? I got to the semi-finals. I think mm-hmm. the semi-finals were in Edinburgh. I remember, and I remember that's when I had to tell my mum. I was scared about telling my mum I was doing comedy because right. I'd done a yeah. couple, yeah. and I'd always just told her I'm just going to a friend's house or something. Then I told her <laughs> for I a month expecting... in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it became harder and harder. So eventually I'm going to Edinburgh for, for a couple of days. I'm like, okay, I have to tell her first of all, because I, I can't afford to go yeah. by myself. I needed her money. And she was just like very supportive, which surprised me, just mm. for an African parent. And I think that was because 
I was about 17 then and I hadn't shown signs of being good at anything right, right at age. Yeah. So maybe I think that she just linked on, she just like latched on to me seeing me having a passion about something and yeah. she was like, fuck it, it's either this or and, I don't know. And that you were uh, stay like you were being recognized slightly, you know, right, even yeah. not like on a small way. Yeah. I mean, parents love things to show off to other parents. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was just having that was, was probably a good thing for her. So, she took me up to Edinburgh, and then um, I didn't. I didn't win. I think that was the year. What's her name? Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Eileen B. Oh Ashley yeah, B. Um, Ashley B. Yeah. B. I think that was the year that she won. But, oh okay, um, okay, okay. Remember, I made the semis, and um, mm-hmm. again, it was just another feeling. Of, yeah, this is. I'm supposed to be doing this. Mm. So yeah, that was a good feeling. Mm. And in the subsequent years, you won like a few other things. You got like a chortle. Uh, was it Chilton Student Comedy Award and the BBC New Comedy Award and things like that, right? Yeah, that was 2016, so about a couple yeah. of years later. And um, mm-hmm. I just made the final of, of both of those. Mm. But again, it was like nice building momentum type, mm-hmm. type thing. You know, you have to do your tightest five. So, and then from there I got signed and just kind of been building from there in terms of building up my set and eventually my hour. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because yeah, I, did, I did a Soho, little Soho run this year in February. Mm. But um, yeah. So I did my I did my debut last year, and mm. um, yeah, it went, it went pretty well. And mm. I guess I'm just trying to, the, the, you know, this this whole Corona thing obviously stopped Edinburgh mm. from happening this year. But um, I wasn't planning on going up anyway. But it's it's kind of been good to sort of um, sit and think about what what I want to do next. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard this from a lot of people that they weren't planning to go to Edinburgh this year. Was that so? Yeah. Because obviously these decisions were pre-coronavirus. Mm. Um. So was what was that? Because because uh, I, I imagine like when the because the first show went so well, mm. um, I imagine there was an, an idea that you would do another show this year. Yeah, I mean for me though, the whole thing is like I know that's what you're expected to do, but for me it's like I want to take some time to write something that I think is good. You know, mm. uh, you know, I when I, I started doing comedy in 2014, so I did my first show in 2019. Mm-hmm. It really took me five years to write that. Really, yeah, and that. Uh, to turn over another one in a year yeah that's mad isn't it if you think about it yeah so for me it's like to take one year out is not unnatural yeah and if you go over to america you know the, the home of stand-up comedy they do two three years um before they release another one because they need to try out and make sure it's make sure it's good mm. and also Edinburgh is really expensive in the second day, so i just yeah. um have to be yeah it is worth it to me but yeah, so it's always confused me when people say a little bit to me that Edinburgh's really expensive and you can't... Because we've always made money there. It's London we've had trouble with. Yeah, really. And we're from London. We live here, you know? It doesn't cost me anything to stay here, you know? Yeah. Um, well, uh, when, I, when I went up, I was kind of told that you kind of have to lose money to make money in terms of, for your debut, you should be aiming to make a splash. I was told you need to get the um, the PR people, you need to get the yeah. marketing and that will, or is it? I I don't remember too much of what it was like back in the sort of the freer days because obviously mm. by 2014 it was probably already on that whole commercialism angle. Yeah. But from what I've been told, it's just a place you go to lose money but to make money later down the line. Yeah. And not everyone can afford to do that. I could barely afford to. Yeah. To do that. Well, I've, even I've though mine. Had... Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, even though mine was a success, it's still like yeah. a, a financial hit I had to take. It's really interesting. It really interests me because, like, 
So you know, we 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 don't do we didn't do stand up. We're not working together anymore in the double act. But like we didn't do stand up. It was like sort of plays, I suppose, sort of mix, some sort of mix between sketches and plays. I don't know, something like that. Mm. Um, but we always we always made money, and mm. and it, it always confused me how like because I'm like if you do the addition, there's so many people coming. Um, you know what? We didn't have representation then, like mm. so we weren't paying anyone anything. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know, but like, it's always been the place we've gone to make some money for the rest of the year. Uh, I reckon that in terms of like the way I was thinking about it was like, you know, not only in terms of how is this show going to do over here, but in terms of what could it do for my career. Yeah. In terms of that, I'm not going to say that's good or bad, but um, so I was kind of told to aim to like try and get people like the right people through the doors, and that yeah. costs money. But I think, like, if you went to the free fringe or you just, you know, did a show in, like, whatever, and you, yeah. you weren't too concerned about spending too much on advertising or things mm. like that, yeah. then you probably could make money. But um, there's that risk you're going to lose money the more you try and, mm. you know, sell the show, I guess. Yeah. You, know? you definitely just... got the right people through the door, though, right? Because, you know, you got nominated for the best newcomer. Oh, yeah, it, it worked yeah. out for me. It worked out for me. So Edinburgh is, like, I see Edinburgh as, like, it, it's using you. But you gotta use it as well. Mm, you gotta mm, use mm. your advantage. So for me, not going up this year, like before it was before Corona cancelled it, um, that was me using it, not using it. That was me playing the game back, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, because they probably expect me to come back and spend more money. Mm, I'm like, I'm mm. gonna take a year out and focus on my development, and then I'll come back again when I want to do it. Yeah, as opposed to following what do what do you do? You assume model is. Yeah, and how did you how did you actually find the the how did you actually find the month? The month itself was 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 fine. It was a, it's not it wasn't as stressful for me as as um as I was expecting it to be. Yeah, um, I kind of had my nice things that I did, and I I, I didn't spend too much time um, sort of in in tiring environments. Mm. And the show itself, like like I said, I had the right people to get the right people through the doors, mm-hmm. so I wasn't worried about numbers or anything too much mm. i was just able to enjoy the process of doing the show so i was kind of blessed in my my experience of it mm. did you book moment. did you book loads of other stuff in as well or did you just focus on the show i did very little very very little to be mm. honest um because again it was just like you know what this this place i know um it can be overwhelming so i just kind of want to get myself in, in the right headspace so i, mm-hmm. I think i kind of handled it nicely so that by the end i was tired but i wasn't like I wasn't broken. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, where where were you again? Which venue? I was um, Bunker Two. Oh yeah, Pleasance. Yeah. 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 Bunker yeah. Two and How did you find that? Because I mean, the the courtyard is obviously like a. I mean, it's a hub, isn't it? It's like, and also the lineage. If you look back at like some of the acts that have been on in some of the rooms in the courtyard and stuff like that, it's just like it's insane. Did you feel like going in? Did you feel the? It was a good place to be in terms of like comedy. You know what I mean? I was a little... No, I wasn't, to be honest. I think kind of because the bunker... I'm used to stand-up. I'm used to a stage and everything. And then mm. the bunker two venue is, is a little cramped. Mm. Uh, 56 seats. And um, obviously, there's no there's no stage. It kind of feels like more of a theatre space. Yeah. So it does just take me a little bit longer to kind of get used to, to playing there and making it feel like my own, my own space. But I didn't know too much about the history. I've known, obviously, famous comics have come through all of these doors. But... Mm. Um, can't say I was focused too much on sort of anything other than what I had to be to be focused yeah. on. Yeah. 
And do you feel like, do you feel like your, like, I suppose comedy career is, is like, because I feel like you're sort of approaching it almost like a, not like formulaic, but do you know what I mean? Like, like you go to Edinburgh to get people through the door, you do the next thing. Um, do you feel like that's like getting you to the place you want to be at? Um, I, I guess, I guess I'm not too focused on the formula and just in terms uh-huh. of my, myself in terms of I, I'm trying to make sure I'm where I need to be at. And then when it comes to, I, I'm not really very good at planning too far ahead. Mm. And then you see things like this to tell you that, you know, maybe it's not always the best bet. Yeah. So for me, it's just focusing on my own growth, my own, my own voice. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm kind of confident that things will place around that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, Taking the show up in, in 2019, that was when I felt it was right to take it. And even though I had some voices saying, you know, do it the year before, mm. or even this year when some people were like, you got to do your show. And I was like, it doesn't feel right for me. Mm. So I, I just kind of um, handle what I need to handle. And then yeah. I'm confident that everything will kind of sort itself out. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think that's a good approach. And I think it's, it's perhaps easy, especially if you've got representation, to mm. be sort of told no you need to do exactly this to get mm. where you want to go and i think the fact that you're not doing that is actually quite i mean not admirable but like quite uh mature i don't know like do you know what i mean like given the circumstances mm. it's i yeah, think I it's mean, important to listen to people who are above you but not always take everything on yeah i mean they they can only sell what you give them to sell mm. they and for me i just want to make sure i have the best possible version of what i have Mm. And you know that way you can't um, blame anybody else if if things don't work out. You know mm. what I mean? Because it's like, no, I did this when I said I wanted to do it, and mm. when I said it was right, so then then it's on me. You know, it's taking responsibility. Yeah, but I, th- I think what you just said then is is interesting, and I think people that are seeking a comedy agent don't always think of that. Maybe even actually an acting agent, but like that they're selling what you are giving. I think people feel like, oh, what do I need to do to appeal to this agency or to do that? But it's not, it's not that, is it? It's that they're taking you and selling that. It's not, there isn't like a, they're looking for, oh, I've got a space here for, you know, you. (laughs) I'm going to take you and put you in there. It's it's whatever you do, making that good enough that they go, oh yeah, I I think I can add that. And I think I can help that be bigger. Yeah, exactly. So it's a partnership as opposed Mm. to, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, that's the way I see it. Mm. And do you feel that, um, uh, you, um, I think you just answered my question. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you just answered my question. Um, so what sort of stuff have you been managing to do work-wise during this? Because obviously, like, it's a really difficult time for a lot of comedians. You know, I've been taking it pretty easy on myself, actually. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning there was... And I did, I was like, okay, by the end of this, I'm going to come out with six episodes of a sitcom. And yep, yep, two yep, yep. I was like, no, nah, that's that's stupid. I don't know what the landscape is going to look like after this. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to plan things like that. So for me, um, what I do is I sit down and I just say 30 minutes. Um, when it comes to stand up, I do 30 minutes. I just write whatever mm-hmm. comes out in that 30 minutes happens. Because for me, it's like, it's the process of moving forward. Even if it's just a little bit, even if you're just yeah. crawling... Uh, it's the process of moving forward and not standing still and also just for your own personal development and enjoyment of, yeah. of still 
doing the thing that you love to do even when you can't do it in its full capacity. And so in, in that process, I've managed to write some jokes. I've managed to write some some sketches that I've put online, but it's it's not really any... I never had an aim in terms of what I what kind of output um, I was going to put out in this time. Mm. Uh. Is that almost like free writing when you say you just sit there for half an hour and write? Is it just like, yeah. is it just no thought and just... I mean, it's a combination of 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 free writing and then just maybe I'll maybe I'll just be sitting and thinking for that thirty minutes and maybe that thirty minutes if I'm really feeling it will extend into something else. But it's just mm. setting a minimum of thirty, and in that time, whatever comes out comes out because you know a thought that I might have had that turns into one line on a really uninspired day. I'll be looking at that line two weeks later. Now there's five minutes in there, five minute joke mm. in there. But it's just about no pressure, but also doing something there's always something you can do yeah that's pretty disciplined and i think more disciplined than a lot of stand-ups can manage <laughs> it seems like <laughs> to me at least like i know a lot of people who who you know maybe they write something down every time they think it but they don't dedicate time to actually sitting down and and writing they just hope they've come up with enough in a year for the next year yeah i mean i kind of that was kind of my whole thing before but then i realized i can't just always be waiting for inspiration to strike yeah um i just kind of have to do some foundational groundwork mm. um so for me that was just like just just for because some days i really don't want to do it but it becomes about not breaking the streak mm. and then even when you break the streak it's about just doing it the next day and then um it's, within time it becomes something that you have to do yeah well, it's like who? When, when would that happen in any other job? Like a writer wouldn't just sit there going, "Oh, wait to see what happens." And like comedians yeah. are writing so much, like really, like there's they, they need to craft something that's so well written. I suppose for well, if they want to get anywhere in like a, for an hour or whatever, that wouldn't happen. A novelist wouldn't do that. They wouldn't sit there and go, "Oh, we'll wait, see what happens." But the key, the key with me was that I wasn't happy with my former process of waiting for inspiration okay. to strike, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's that's it. You got to find. Okay, I like I like just just writing when I feel like writing, and that works for me because I do what I set out to do. But for me, I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing quite enough, so I'm going to step up my process. And so it's just finding about it's finding uh, what works for you. Mm. And this is kind of it's kind of working for me right now, and it kind of mm. just gives me something to to, to do every day. Mm. Mm-hmm. With the idea that you're going to make something another another hour for 2021, or I mean, I guess that's an or is idea. That even that is that pressure that you haven't really thought about. For me, it's just a it's it's the process rather than the end goal. It's the process mm. of getting into the habit of of working on something a little bit every day, moving forward every day. And then there, there's some bits that I have that are like, you know what, this could be concentrated into something. But we'll, we'll see. You know, if um, a, a whole month of of writing thirty minutes every day you know I, I might have something there but mm. um, right now it's just about the process of it uh, I thought now might be a nice time for a break in proceedings to remind you of why we're here um, well not why we're here it's a free podcast it's supposed to be funny but also uh, to talk about some important things um, so if you're feeling if you feel like you've been discriminated against or anything like that and you want to chat to somebody about it Stop Hate UK is a 24-hour helpline that you can ring up any point in that 24 hours and speak to somebody about how you're feeling. 
if you also have some money, you can chuck them a few quid uh, and help them pay for that helpline. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go back to Michael now, uh, where he's talking about his uh, Best Newcomer Award-nominated show at The Fringe. Can you tell us a bit about the idea behind Black Bears Matter? Mm. Okay, so, so Black Bears Matter was... I remember last year feeling very guilty about not being involved enough in sort of social movements and protesting, and there's a lot of uh-huh. things going on last year in terms of uh, race stuff and well it's kind of similar to this year but there's kind of a lot of issues going on and I was like man not only do I am I not getting involved I kind of feel apathetic towards all of it it's like I don't feel like I care enough so the show was kind of about exploring why I don't care enough and then just ask myself well what can I do more to to get involved Mm. Um, it's kind of like the the, the guilt of feeling selfish did you um did you face any... I mean, because that's quite a brave idea to put out there, I think. You know, it's, it's an interesting idea to put out there. Did you face any backlash, I suppose, because of it, or...? No, I think I think I framed it in a in a pretty... I think maybe the blurb in itself, just the premise, might people think, oh, he's bad, he's selfish. But I think there's a lot of um, feelings or emotions in there that a lot of people could relate to in terms mm. of... Especially last year, um, you know, just not feeling like... Because you can only care about so much sometimes, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, of course. Some people have that feeling, and I feel like once you know you explore something that other people be like, yeah, okay, I feel that too, and that's kind of like, um, why well, I feel like it's a sweet spot for me, kind of like exploring emotions that maybe don't always get said so much. Hmm. Mm. Um, this might be a difficult question, maybe, but like, do you do you feel the same sentiments now, or no, has doing I- the show changed something? I think from the show, sort of like, um, well, I mean, yeah, just from doing this, from having those thoughts, like acknowledging those thoughts at the time, yeah. it kind of bubbled something up inside of me. And obviously, this this past month, this past month or so, with these whole protests, um, it's like it's it, it feels it feels different now for sure. I mm. think it feels different for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of these pre- police brutality type videos to to the point where. I had kind of gotten a bit numb to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You kind of see it on your timeline and you kind of like, okay, it's another one. You scroll past it. But then, you know, obviously the, these ones that have been happening recently, just it, you feel different about it. Yeah. And it's like um, reaching a, a tipping point where it's like, I think me and a lot of people are like, okay, we can't continue to keep letting, these hap- letting this happen. Mm. And I, I feel what, what is a really good thing is just a lot of people have been sharing ways to get involved and ways yeah. to help which i think maybe wasn't as prevalent before like people didn't know what to do with their feelings of anger or despair yeah. or what feeling of politically wanting to be involved i i i'd i'd also perhaps add on to that that i think uh white people are sharing it more than they were before specifically no, yeah. like because it's not like this is an issue that black people weren't talking about before mm. maybe i'm wrong but to me it seems like it's like it's opened something up in a lot of white people where now, I, I was at a protest a couple of weeks back, um, mm. and um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of white people there, sort of mm. in the moment, and they seemed as angry as everybody mm. else, and the same in America. And I feel like that's kind of like what needed to happen is yeah, 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 of course. This is everybody's. This is not a black issue. It's everybody's mm. issue that these things are happening, um, and so it just kind of 
reignites it in a, in a, in a different way. You know, mm. it would makes you... it more movement. Sorry, what did you say? It makes it more of a, a, a movement because I hear yeah. people saying it's a movement, not a moment. And I think everybody getting involved makes it makes it that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people uh, uh, the same issue on the podcast about, like, it just has to carry on. Like, because mm. I feel like if, if... I feel like there's a potential for it to uh, simmer down, especially mm. if the lockdown ends and mm. people go back to their lives and stuff. Uh, and I suppose it's just keeping it up. Yeah, because... Um, you know, and it's okay if it if it starts to die down online because the real work starts yeah. in the home. It, it, it starts between conversations between people at the workplace and people in families, and you know, legislation. So, um, I, I don't think we should worry too much if the activism dies down a little bit online, because mm-hmm. um, no, that's not where the real work gets done. That's where it gets started, but it's not where it gets done. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd? Um... Do you think you'd be able to perform Black Bears Matter now as a result of everything that's happened in the last month? Do you know I Would was... you feel awkward coming back to it? Do you know I... I would because it's obviously not how I feel anymore. Yeah. I, was, I was still talking from a place of like, man, I don't... I find it hard to care about mm. these things. and um, So yeah, that's not where my headspace is anymore. Um... I think that the ending revolution, the ending sort of part of the the joke was a commitment to to trying more and and being more. And it was always, like I said, an exploration of how I got to this point in the yeah. first place. But it would be hard to 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 like say certain things in the show because that's that's just not where my space is anymore. Mm. So yeah, I think it was a show, sort of. It was it was for its time. But like, if I was to do it now, it it would be maybe, I don't know, maybe forty percent different. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could revisit it, but I couldn't redo it. I think mm. it's interesting because I think some comedians, uh, there's a disconnect from what they say. So they obviously there's joke. It's about them. They've written it, but they could do this. They could do a show twenty years later, exactly the same material, and they could mm. fake it, I suppose, or just say it because it's mm. easier. I I think that shows what I think is like proper stand-up comedy when um, it's so personal to that person that if, like you said, in in a fairly short period of time since February, you mm. wouldn't be able to say, it was February, right? It was when you did. Yeah, that's when I lost yeah. on it. Yeah, you wouldn't be, you would feel different saying it in that period of time. And I think that's uh, that's interesting in comedy. It would have been good to have, um, I, think I'm annoyed, I didn't get to film it, so it would have been good to have done mm. that. Just kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's not serendipitous this time. Um, but just like, has like a to like point. capture it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like to like capture it or something. Yeah, yeah. To keep it. Yeah. So that was me. I did that show when I was 24. In a few months now, it's already not relevant. So it would have been good to like, that's 24 year old me. What am I going to be next year? What am I going to mm. be in two years time after that? Mm. So, yeah. Did you, did you, did you, uh, did you not, not sort of think about did you think you'd keep we were doing going, it, I actually, suppose? We were going to film it in um, in uh, April. Oh, man. But it just didn't get done. Oh, that sucks. That's so annoying. Yeah. I know, man. I think I still got the um, the audio of everything, but it's, it's not the same. But um, Yeah. Yeah. The way I say it, you know, at least it was captured in that moment. It did what it was supposed to do. And then the next one from there, I can, you know, in terms of 
can't be different. It'd be good to mm. just, yeah. Mm. So, um, so what do you think if you hadn't uh, sort of stumbled, almost sort of stumbled into comedy, right? Mm. From being, which I can't believe, just because you were near up the creek when you were at university mm. and you thought you'd go along. I mean, that, that is crazy to me. Um, but anyway, no. since you sort of stumbled into it, do you, what what would you be doing now? Would you be doing? Would you be like a history teacher at a school, or what would you be doing? Yeah, I think if I wasn't doing this, I would have sort of just followed a bit more of a conventional path. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, I study history or I study politics. Let me go teach that or something like that. Yeah. I would have still had that creative urge within me. So. Yeah. I don't know. Well, a career in politics might have been a natural. Place might have been that. like oration point of view and things mm. like that. So I think I definitely would have had to have had some sort of public facing urge within me to, to kind yeah. of get that uh, showmanship sort of thing. But um, it's hard to say. But yeah, I would definitely say something in sort of the educational realm mm. or something where I could just think on things um, would have been good for me. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like comedians can if they don't do it, you just, you see comedians who could have been comedians if they'd gone with it, but they're doing different things. They're like showing off in different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, Donald Trump's an obvious one, right? It's like, he was a clear TV presenter, entertainer, I suppose, in a weird way. Um, But he stumbled, he's gone into politics and it's just like, it seems like it's the wrong place for that enthusiasm, that like... You could tell like how much he loves the rallies, how much he loves the... uh that public that that energy of feeding off people so i think that something like that would have i think he had a really hard dad who made him go into business and yeah become a so and gave him loads of money um (laughs) but like yeah it's like yeah yeah you you can see it you're right you can see it in the rallies you can see it in the tweets you can see it like in press conferences and stuff he he likes he likes you know expressing himself in this or i suppose there's the need in the same way that comedians have they need to show off they need to say what they're thinking uh and he probably I, I don't know, but I assume he doesn't so much enjoy the sort of day to day having to sit around talking to people yeah, about the being the, the president part yeah. in terms of big fan of. But uh, yeah, I can understand that. Because you know, like I, I don't know tons about American history and presidents and stuff, but um I think Obama had the balance right. Like he was funny, right? He was funny, he was still funny and he was he was, you know, cheeky and stuff, but also he was a politician. He was a statesman. And, yeah. I think that's what you want, isn't it, from your politicians? Ultimately, you want them to be a politician. Yeah. I think that's why people liked Boris at the beginning. Yeah. He won terms as London Mayor. He'd go mm. on, have I got news for you? He was approachable. But then, again, he just kind of does not like sort of the, the statesman actual being a politician part of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'd also say Jeremy Corbyn's the same. Like, mm. I feel like he's a, a really personable, seemingly a quite a personal person. But can I actually imagine him sitting there day to day doing all the stuff? Not no. really, you know? No. And I think that's probably why someone like Keir Starmer has got a much bigger chance of pulling the Labour Party back together because he, he seems to me like a politician, first and foremost. He's sensible. He asks serious questions and yeah. uh, PM and stuff. Like, he seems like a politician, yeah. yeah. And in a weird way, I think all the pictures of Jeremy Corbyn protesting, I don't know what, how long they were, 30 years ago, are always yeah. going to be held against him because he's like an outsider, all that sort of stuff, which actually weirdly is, is the thing that people love about Donald Trump is that he's like an outsider. He's not a politician. Yeah. Um, we've ended up talking about politics. Yeah, um, we have. 
um, so what what do you want to do like say the next five years like I know you, you don't hugely plan but like is there something like you know like oh I'd love a sitcom I'd love a you know I'd love a TV show I don't know host a panel show is it is there anything like that that you'd absolutely just love like to do or do you feel now like stand up is, is, is where you're at yeah I mean I I would like to grow the stand up going forward um of course, I mean, like I've always said, I'm I'm big fans of Dave Chappelle and and Chris Rock and sort of um, Sky, even you know Louis C.K. You know, just um, just like real sort of what's the word I'm looking for? I'm always just like real craftsmen. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they are. But also able to build like a massive fan base. Mm. So it's that mix of getting that critical and and commercial um, sort of of acclaim. Mm. They don't have because you. They always kind of seem to be like you have to choose one or the other. You have to be the biggest or you have to be the the best. But to be able, I see guys like them. They they, they haven't had to sacrifice on on any yeah. levels. It's just the same for me mm. in terms of just being the 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 best I can be, but also trying to be as big as I can take it. Mm. Um, I like the idea of um, of having a sitcom one day. Mm. Um, also, so I guess also just improving my my acting capabilities as well mm-hmm. so have you um so you wouldn't consider yourself an actor now i think there's probably uh i could manage yeah i've done things <laughs> able to manage yeah uh, but um like I, I respect it as a craft so i want to learn it as yeah. well so in its own right as well yeah. I, I, yeah I agree so yeah I, I went to drama school for three years and uh <laughs> i i know i can act now but mm. I also know it's not what I want to do. Like, I know <clears throat> I don't want to be a serious actor. Um, yeah. Because I feel like it's at a level that I, I I could probably manage, but I'd never be, like, really good. Like, we've got some we've got some really, really good actors in this country. And I just feel like the idea of turning up every day and having to, like, be sick, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. I'd always yeah, want some, there to be some sort of comedy in it. Sometimes there's a little disrespect of acting in terms of appreciating how... Mm. Like in terms of when it gets to the high levels, how how mm-hmm. good it good you need to be. So I guess I just want to get to the best of my limits. I yeah. want to be able to say that I don't know whether to take whether it's taking classes or just being on sets and not to say that I know the best of what I can do. Also, not aspiring to be like a, a, a thespian or anything mm. like that. You know what I mean? Have you had like much experience in sort of TV film? I was able to film a little something that I, I wrote maybe a couple of years back. And mm-hmm. again, that's when I realized that this is harder than it looks. Like mm. it's not, mm-hmm. it's not as easy as I thought it was. So I've, I've been taking a little, a, a few improv classes. Oh, I've, interesting. I've been really, really enjoying that. Just not even like to get somewhere with it. It's just a, it's an enjoyable mm. thing. And also in terms of just genuinely going into it, being nervous, like man, I don't know how mm. this is going to turn out. As opposed to when I do comedy, I'm like, I have an idea. Yeah. Even if this is bad, how I can pull it back. But in terms of improv, with no safety net, it's just real. It's nice to have that thrill again. Does it um Does it make you feel like you're a shit comedian? Yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. Bit. When we did clowning at drama school, so we did like a whole term of clowning at drama school. It was sick, yeah. right? But I remember thinking, oh, I'm funny, and everyone was, and also it was everyone else going, yeah, yeah, you're funny, you'll you'll breeze it, and then. Fucking hell. Sometimes it was just... You're st- I mean, there's nothing worse. You're standing there trying to be funny and no one's laughing, is there? Um, Clown 
was like a different level though, because at least yep. if I can use my words, yeah, clown is just physical, right? We're allowed to talk, but it is a it is a different thing. And yeah. once I once I worked it out, it's a different thing. And that me trying to make jokes isn't going to work in the same way, I suppose. And and just just sort of play because it's all play in it. I think it's the same with improv, right? Yeah, it's it's the idea of being open to play to like having fun to messing yeah. around. Um, uh, and it took me it took me took me a bit of time. But once I got it, I feel like I I really really enjoyed it. I even enjoyed bombing in clowning yeah. when I when I understood what I was doing wrong. I'm gonna um, try that. Well, if you if you if you're looking into different things and you're doing improv, I 100 percent recommend. I mean, I haven't done like uh, we. So our clowning teacher was like, I think he, I mean, he was like heavily involved with like Gollier, I think back in the day, um, <clears throat> and they worked together a lot. And he does like a lot of clowning, it's sort of his main thing. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's loads of sort of stuff you can do. Uh, and yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, it's you learn a lot. You learn a lot about about comedy. I think from clowning. But I imagine improv's the same, right? Yes, it's, it, I guess it's 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 pretty similar in just in terms of letting go of the ego mm. and just being not trying to find the funny but you just kind of letting it happen mm. so it just kind of it helps with stand-up comedy in general in terms of mm-hmm. being in the moment um in terms of crowd work and stuff like that mm-hmm. being more uh, quick-witted so yeah i just but i just enjoy it just within itself um mm-hmm. so i wasn't so now i'm at the point where it's a shame because i was doing it quite like maybe once a month before before uh, the whole lockdown yeah uh, but I was just kind of enjoying just doing it and not thinking about how is this going to help my yeah. comedy career. It was just like a hobby to me. Hmm. Mm. I think that's smart, though. I think that's a good way to approach it because I reckon it will influence it without you really even thinking about it. Mm. In the long term, it will build skills, I suppose, that you maybe didn't even know that you needed to build on. Mm. Um, because, yeah, stuff like improv is is great. I mean, because there's, a, you know, you're also you're working with someone else. How How is that different to, to stand-up, I suppose? Like, how do you find working with someone else in in a scene and stuff? I guess it's just about the the trust in that you guys are going to be on the same wavelength to to yeah. find a job because you know you don't you don't want to be embarrassed, you don't want to like flop, mm. but also just accepting that you know it's going to happen and you know you you, you get stronger from that as well, and uh, not trying to force like okay. I'm going to force the joke into this area because that's where the funny is. But now mm. it's kind of letting it happen and it's more of a rewarding process mm. working with somebody. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird one as well, I think, um, improv. Because like, I feel like I, I can I can have seen... I think some of the worst comedy I've ever seen in my life has been improv comedy. <laughs> right? <laughs> but also there's some things that have happened that feel totally in the moment and laughed. And I feel like the really bad stuff is often when it's it's felt a little bit prepared or like yeah. they've done a similar thing before. Yeah, but when like someone says something genuinely off the cuff that links everything that's been talked about, it is so funny. But like, I'm sure I've. I mean, I can remember actual events in Edinburgh where I've sat and watched the worst thing I've ever seen, and it's always been improv. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I that's think it's true. because there's no structure. If you're not good at it, then 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 it, it's just crap in it. But then also, you know, like uh, notably something I don't know. Like Baby wants candy. That thing that's always up in Edinburgh. You heard of that? I'm not seeing- I'm yeah, I one and saw it once. It was really, really clever. I thought it was an improvised musical. It's not really yeah. the sort of thing I'd massively be into, but I went and saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, do you know what? There's like, it's so impressive, and it's so impressive that some of it made me laugh by just like how impre- how impressed I was." <laughs> um, do you know what the worst 
character I've seen is where it's either too smug or yeah. there's too there's too many in jokes that they've built and they've forgotten that there's an audience yeah. here. We yeah. don't I don't know these these references. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I um uh first year we did this podcast, right? We did it the free fringe for the first year in twenty uh 17 or something i can't remember i think it was 17 and um we were in this tiny little room it was a new venue uh i don't even know if it's still going now 52 canoes you heard of that it's uh yeah it's grass market it's near cowgate um and um uh there was the oh, i don't i don't even know if i should say the name of it but it's like it's, it's something that would be different i don't know for sure but it was something like the manchester university comedy society right yeah. i don't know if it was exactly that anyway they brought up this sketch comedy thing and um, I just remember sitting there thinking, there's 10 of them in this, yeah. right? And they've, they've all thought this was funny. <laughs> and but, so the sketches were bad, but the worst bits were the improvised bits in between. Yeah. And it's just like, I just remember thinking like, man, like I know like university is a place you go to try things out and stuff and do stuff like this. But I'm just like, I just, I just can't believe that, that 10 people can all sit, also all cracking up all the way through. <laughs> The room was fairly full and they were the yeah. only ones laughing for the whole time. <laughs> but it, you wouldn't have that as a stand-up because no. you haven't got other people around you laughing at your own stuff. Yeah. You, I mean, you know, like, straight, almost straight away, right, if a joke's funny or not. Yeah. As a stand-up, right? Yeah. And you, you, you haven't got that support. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you write it and then you kind of know and then you try it to confirm it and improve on it. But I never know. Yeah. I wonder how improvs kind of like find out that their shit isn't good. You know? Well, it, even it's if impossible it, if they if they if there's these scenarios where the, the room is full of people doing it. Yeah, you you'll never know if it's good or not because your friends are laughing. I mean, if you're going to do that, just do it in the pub. Sit yeah. around with your friends and make them laugh. Right? What's the point of that? If you, I feel like with stand up, there's no way you can't hide anywhere. If you know if something's not funny, even if it's a room with three people, you know if something you said's not funny to that room. Um, exactly, and so yeah, I think sometimes with improv you can fall into a s- safe, like sense of security because there's other people around. Whereas, uh, also, it's interesting what you said a minute ago. Like you said that you write something, you pretty much know it's funny, and then you try it out. How often mm-hmm. does that is that now, or was that at the beginning as well? Do you know this is that I haven't actually missed stand up that much, interestingly, during this whole process. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it is kind of I miss it when I write a joke and I like this is gonna get a laugh. Yeah. And I, and I would go out and try it that night or the next night and now I have to wait until whoever knows when mm-hmm. and the joke might not even be as relevant anymore so mm. but you kind of you kind of know when you've written something that, that worked mm-hmm. like I kind of have to because like, as a comedian you have an intuition of what what's funny you just yeah, naturally yeah, yeah of course like for me I find it's very rare that I'll say something and even if it's bad it, 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 there's nothing there it's very rare I write something where there's nothing there mm. and I was just completely flat off. It's usually that I just didn't phrase it right or just mm. like this, but there was something in that core that I knew was there and, it, and I'm usually right most of the time, which is why you should never throw away a joke. Um, but yeah, you, you do kind of know when, you, when, you, when you're when you onto something from when it's just written down on the paper. That's interesting. Do you think, do you think that's slightly performance? Or do you think that like the, the performance... Uh, the, the, you know, it was performed in a way in which the audience will laugh a bit, or do you think it's just like every idea there is always a kernel of something funny in? 
Mm. For me, it's, for me, I, I would say I'm a stronger writer than a performer. So okay. For me, I would say it's 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 something in the in the phrasing. There's something in the premise hmm. that is good there. And a lot of the times, I find is it's the actual the build up to the joke where I've padded it out too much or mm-hmm. I've not padded that enough. But the actual punchline of what I was getting at is good. But I just need to work on how I'm presenting it before we get to the joke, making people understand the actual joke. Mm, that's that's the way round you want it. Yeah, I think exactly. is you 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 want to know that you can write funny stuff, and then you just have to change a bit. All my build-ups yeah. are great, but the actual joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the that'd be really visual. Oh, that part I got perfect. Well, from there, <laughs> <laughs> the padding was really good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, it was really nice to talk to you. I think we're sort of like uh, finishing up now. Um, was, yeah, the hour's gone by pretty quick. I think. Yeah, has um, been enjoyable. Uh, so before before I let you go, uh, have you got anything like have you got anything coming up anytime soon that we can like sort of tell people about or? No, I would I would just say um, um, on my Instagram, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Wilder Comedy, I post sketches from time to time just about mm-hmm. whatever's going on at the time. So we didn't talk about them. They're funny. I I watched some of them uh, the other day. They're funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if, um, if you just kind of want to see one to two minute funny things, just uh, mm. check out my Instagram. Yeah, it's a good. It's it's you're right. It's something to tide you over to tide everyone over before live comedy returns. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're well produced just... as well. Actually, oh, I not actually like I thought they wouldn't <laughs> be, but you know, like they, they are well produced for lockdown. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, right. Best of luck with everything that's going on. Thanks, man. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll see you around. Thanks again to Michael for that episode of the show. Um, We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode, episode four of the podcast. Thank you very much. If you haven't already, subscribe to the damn thing so that you don't... That was a bit Alan Partridge, sorry. But subscribe to this so that you don't have to keep... I have to keep, like, seeing me posting about it all the time. It'll just appear on your device like magic. Uh, So do that, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Hello, I'm Rose, and I'm the chief executive of the charity Stop Hate UK. We're so pleased that Comedians After Hours have chosen to support our work during the making of their second series. The work of Stop Hate UK is so vital and even more important after the tragic killing of George Floyd. So if you're inspired by this podcast, please visit our website at stophateuk.org and click on the heart-shaped button and donate to us to enable us to continue our work. Thank you so much.